Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Oh, I am so pleased to have really a, a great friend, uh, not only in, in the industry, but in the spiritual world as well, uh, Mr. Michael Johnson, the president and publisher of Odd Int Media, as our in-studio guest today. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Good morning. You know, I appreciate you making time out of your, your very busy schedule uh, because you have been one of the huge leaders in digital publishing uh, over the last 20, 30 years. And now that you have launched your own imprint, I'm so excited to talk to you about what Odd Int Media is going to uh, be all about over the next five to ten years. But before we jump into that, could you share with our audience a little bit about your, your background, your education, where you went to school, and how did you and how did you end up in, I think you're in beautiful Wisconsin, correct? Yes, I am in beautiful Wisconsin. Uh, my background in this business goes back to 1985 when I started doing mainframe programming for university libraries, and I learned both the power of the machine and the power of education. And the blend of those two things has basically shaped my career and my life since 1985. Um, I have been involved in one aspect of another uh, with the blend of publishing education and technology since then, and uh, continue to look to push the boundaries and things to work that blend to everyone's benefit. And um, where did you attend your undergraduate? So I uh, studied uh, business at the University of Maryland, did my undergraduate work there, uh, then went back to school and got a programming degree. And then uh, when I moved out here to the Midwest, I went through the executive college program at uh, Kellogg at Northwestern University. Very nice, very nice. And, and at one point in your career, you worked for the famous Follett organization, correct? Yes, I did. Uh, I spent... Uh, quite a bit of time working for the Follett family. Uh, I've worked for several of the family members directly, and I'm very happy to say I uh, made a lot of good friendships with the family and with the other members of that organization. That was the reason why I relocated to the Midwest was an opportunity to come work for Follett Corporation. Wonderful, wonderful. So let's talk about Odd Int Media. Well, first you've got to help me out. You've got to explain the, the meaning of Odd Int media <laughs> right okay so so there, there are two purposes in the name odd int is an amalgam of oddly interesting the our focus as a publishing house is on telling oddly interesting stories so rather than being known as an art publisher or a biography publisher or things like that i really wanted to just be about oddly interesting stories there are a lot of great stories out there i have a great passion for listening to stories and telling stories and so i wanted to take that approach oddly interesting stories so that's where the odd end part came from the media part came from instead of odd end publishing because uh, publishing while it does continue to adjust to changes in technology etc media is really what it's about you can take a, a printed story and turn it into uh, a graphic novel you can turn it into a cartoon a feature film whatever so that's what the two names mean, odd and broadly interesting stories and media because we don't want to just do books. Although we love books, we didn't want to take that smaller view. We wanted the larger view. You know, I, I was so pleased to, uh, you sent me that news clip 
um, about the announcement in Publishers Weekly uh, about your imprint. Tell us a little bit about the first book that you've published. Right. So I've been publishing for about three years now, and Audit Media is relatively new, and I started that imprint with the book Bee Bear. And that, that's one word put together, Bee and Bear. And the book uh, has no technology at all, which is quite different for a guy like me. It's, uh, it's a sewn, hardback, illustrated children's book. It's very sort of retro, if you will. But there's a series of wonderful stories in it, and it's beautifully illustrated. And when the folks at Publishers Weekly found out about fact that here's a Midwestern publisher working with a Midwestern author, who, by the way, happens to be one of the Follett's. Ross Follett is the author of the book. And just to have an opportunity to work with him again was wonderful. So you have a Midwestern publisher working with uh, a big name uh, in the Midwest publishing business, doing a very small little book because it's intended for children. So that's how that came about. So we started the imprint with Audint. We started the Audint imprint mm-hmm. with Bee Bear, and we've since branched out a fair bit. That is, that is excellent. And tell us a little bit about the story of the book. What, what is it about? So a bee and a bear become friends, which that all by itself is oddly interesting, as they're sort of opposite ends of the spectrum, if you will. And the, the book is a series of very brief rhymes on the left-hand page and beautifully illustrated pictures on the right-hand page. The book was completely designed, and the reason we only did it physical, so that the older folks could read the book with and to the younger folks. And we're getting the feedback that that really is working. It, that, this particular book was almost as much missionary as it was merchant, to be honest. <laughs> I was trying in my own way, as I have been trying since 1985, to find a way to connect great books with readers and to get everybody, but especially children, in the habit of reading. And I think we've really accomplished it with this book. And being that you are uh, really a a very well-renowned executive in the book publishing world, uh, but your imprint is relatively new, um, how are you working towards getting the message out about uh, your imprint and and this new exciting book for children? Right. Well, we're doing uh, some of the traditional things, advertisements in the regular magazines and things like that, but I'm taking a very, very personal approach to the publishing effort, the same way I do with my consulting firm. So I'm personally attending the major book shows around the world. We were in Bologna. We were in London. We were in New York for Book Expo. I'm going to a lot of library shows because libraries are and always have been a real haven for book lovers and publishers, and they've also become an excellent market and, and great support for what we're doing. Uh, the great opportunity to work with Publishers Weekly to have the story done, this wonderful opportunity to chat with you. So I'm, I'm taking my typical, as you know, very personal, hands-on approach to things, and mm-hmm. it is coming on very nicely. And uh, if you could, for our audience, could you give us the uh, URL for your website? Sure. It is oddintmedia.com. So www.oddintmedia. Then, of course, if they want to purchase the book, I'm sure they can purchase it on your site, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. Correct? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Amazon has it. There are several online retailers that have it. So, um, where the regular book distribution chain is, is feeding the book availability all over the place. And your goals for Odd Int. Media. Um, 
What are your goals for, for Audit Media? As you have been a leader in the technology side, now you're on the, uh, the publishing side. Right. So the Audit Media was created to take advantage of these oddly interesting stories. And as often happens, if you really dedicate yourself and, and focus on something and establish yourself as a leader in an area, things tend to come your way. So I, we have had, uh, since the Publishers Weekly article ran, we've had a dozen authors come to us with very interesting, oddly interesting stories. So we're reviewing uh, our publication schedule. We've got five books in line between now and the end of the year. Just published a book on leadership by Mike Smith, which is a great book uh, on what leadership is really about, a practical guide uh, with, with real-life stories, with uh, some spiritual tie-in to quotes from the Bible, and a little cowboy logic as a kicker in each chapter, just to kind of keep the tempo going. Um, right, yeah. and, and, and um, we're going to have Mr. Uh, Smith on the program uh, to tell us more about his books. I'm really looking forward to it because it, it's, a, it's a nice, quick, easy read, but it's a deep read. And, and when I say deep read, what he has written it really makes you think and reflect. Right, and, and the reality is you know, le leadership's not the sort of thing that happens in a vacuum. You know, you could name somebody a leader, but that doesn't make them a leader. Right. And there are all kinds of leaders, and I don't think there is one leadership style which is better than any other leadership style. And the nice thing about Mike's book is he, he's telling you real stories that, that happened to him or people he knows, and he shows how the leader came up. And all kinds of leaders. There's, there's you know, civil rights leaders like Dr. King. There, there's leaders uh, from... Uh, all different aspects of government or military. There's peaceful leaders, servant leaders. So, you know, leadership isn't just a thing. It's, it's a way of life. Right, right. And that book was just recently published, correct? Yes, th that, that book was just published last month. Congratulations, congratulations. And, and how many books are you planning to, to publish over the next 12 months? Over the next 12 months, we will have at least 20 books. Wow. Wow, that is that is that is awesome, and um, I guess these books are also available in digital format as well. Right, we we didn't, as I discussed earlier, we didn't do B Bear in digital, but everything else we have is is available as an as an ebook. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful, and so I take it you're probably going to head out to uh, the Frankfurt Book Fair as well. Uh, Frankfurt's a regular stop on the tour. Yes, it is. <laughs> And has there been any international response to uh, your imprint and, and to, to your book? You know, it, it, that's an interesting question. The, the book that we've published that's gotten the most international attention is actually a book that I wrote about the sport of cricket. So that, that's received strong response from around the world. I think we've sold that book in about 15 different countries. You know, I have a, a recently new friend uh, named Peter Watts. And um, he's from the U.K., but he's been living here since the 80s. And I was talking to him the other day. It was a Saturday. And he says, Darrell, forgive the noise in the background, but I'm listening to this cricket match. And it's been on for the last 12 hours. <laughs> so the, the folks who watch cricket, they, they're used to watching something for a period of three to five days. Yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, I can understand why that cricket book has been a success. Yeah, and it, it's interesting in the context of this conversation because leadership in cricket, uh, it, it, you go through all the 
planning. And then, of course, you build a great leadership plan, and then they start throwing the ball around, and things change, right? So you have to adapt and adjust. And there's high moments and low moments and long, boring stretches and things like that. And so the true leaders in cricket are the people who can not just do the planning, which is much more sort of management level, but can also adjust to the conditions in the field, whether they be weather or the opponent or whatever it happens to be. So you know, uh, the captain of a cricket team is the, has to be the consummate leader. Right, right. Now, as you, as you look to um, build your, your imprint, at some point um, you're going to have to build a team. or Do you have plans to e- expand your team, or do you plan to outsource it? And, and, and with that... Um, what type of leadership style will you utilize to, to build this, this new imprint, Odd End Media? Right. So there, there are a blend of questions there. So the, the first one is uh, expansion plans. So because I take a personal interest and in, in personal involvement in each of the books, we are uh, employing and deploying resources. Once I have uh, built a personal relationship with the author, then we have all the regular production things. You need to do markup and file layouts and all that other kind of stuff. I have a great outsourcing partner to do the back-end pieces, mm-hmm. and we're bringing on people on a project-by-process basis to do editorial and uh, marketing and things like that. So it, it's a mix of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I can probably best decide, uh, describe my leadership style by giving you my favorite leadership quote, which is from Peter Drucker, and that's management is doing things right, but leadership is doing the right things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's a very different approach, right? Yes. You still need to manage a business. I mean, it's my business. I started the business. I'm running it. And we've been five years in very difficult economic times, continuing to grow. So you need to you know, keep the lights on and keep everything moving. But you have to do the right thing, too. And, and so I think a lot about, is this, not is this a good book, is this a good book for us? Can I really be a good partner with the author on this book? Will this serve everybody's needs equally? You know, some of it is, um, it, it's about the balance. Right. So my leadership style is balance. And when you talk about doing the right things, um, define that for our audience. Because the right things is, you know, you have to deal with employee issues, you have to deal with ethical issues, moral issues. Uh, give us your viewpoint on the selection of doing the right things. Well, uh, I'm going to go to... Uh, a uh, quote from the Bible there, which is, uh, love one another as I have loved you. So that, that, that's the way I think about it. What I, what I, if that was being done unto me, is that something that I would want done? How would that work? What, what, what's the value for everyone involved in this partnership? And how can I lead the conversation, lead the project, lead the organization in the way where everyone gets value? So that, that's that's what I focus on, very, very true and human approach to things. And, you know, we talked about me working for Follett. That's an enormous organization, 10,000 employees, multiple billions of dollars. But the family ran the business the same way I'm describing to you. And I, and I learned a lot about leadership from working there, but mm-hmm. also from my time back home in D.C. So, you know, a lot of different things I've seen in my life. I've been very fortunate right. to see a blend. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with... Mr. Michael Johnson, the president and publisher of Odd Int Media. Um, he has just recently published a couple of books, The Bee and the Bear. Is that correct, Michael? Bee Bear, yeah. Bee Bear. And uh, the other book is titled 
it's all, all about, about leadership. leadership and it's a team sport. And uh, that book was written by Mr. Uh, Michael Smith, and uh, we'll be sure to have him on the program as as well. Um, when over the course of your career, you know, Michael, you and I, we get together in New York and we break bread and we really enjoy each other's company. And we we were introduced by our good friend John Purcell, and we hit it off immediately because you you have this very humble, but overwhelming presence when i say overwhelming presence the overwhelming presence is that love just you know really just you exude love you exude friendship and in in the sincerity and i i think that in dealing and building a business of course you're going to come across different challenges um what is your approach to to managing conflict as a leader of an organization well from a practical standpoint, the first thing I try and do when, when issues of conflict arise, and there's lots of different types of conflict, but whatever that arises, the first thing you try and do is, is depersonalize the situation. Let's talk about the problem. What is the issue? Not did Bill miss his deadline or how come Sally's not pulling her weight or you know, so-and-so a customer did this or that. Because while those things are real and they really did happen, they're not going to help you address the issue. So by making the issue the problem rather than the person the problem. Everybody can focus on the problem rather than the person. You get the resolution a lot quicker, and everybody understands that all I'm trying to do as the leader is address the problem. And so I find that really puts a lot more oxygen in the room Mm -hmm. and gives people an understanding that um, regardless of how we got in the situation, we are in the situation, and we all have to pull on the same side of the rope to get us out of the situation. If, if you could, could you, and, and not disclosing any names, of course, but could you give us a situation that occurred during your career where you, you dealt with uh, a tough situation and, 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 and how did you come out of that and, and how did you uh, keep the organization moving forward? Sure. You know? uh, here's a particularly painful example. Um, we were working on a massive technology project hundreds of thousands of lines of code, several months' worth of work by mm. a team or six or seven people. And uh, we delivered the product on time, and then the client deployed it, and it failed at scale. So they did a massive deployment, and uh, we had overlooked something, and the thing crashed. Oh, boy. And I'm talking about impacting probably 10,000 people. So, you know, I did what I just described we got the people in the room who were, in fact, the cause of the problem. We focused everybody's energy on the problem. A few people raised their hand and said, I could have done that better. We could have done this. How about that? And, you know, I applaud and reward them for, for speaking up and taking responsibility. And then you shift the focus on, you know, we got this tiger running at us. How are we going to kill this tiger? How, what are we going to do? How do we move forward and solve the problem? Because you don't get to go backwards in life. So... It really doesn't make that much difference how you got there until the problems are addressed, and you can do your post-mortem and figure out, let's make sure we don't go there again. But once you're there, you have to address being there and moving forward. You know, you mentioned something very significant there in, in doing a post-mortem so that you realize what, you, what mistakes were made so you do not repeat those mistakes. Do you, do you find that uh, companies... Uh, follow that uh, particular process in regards to really doing a postmortem so it doesn't occur again? Or do you find that maybe leadership 
um, skips that step, which causes them to continually to uh, have problems. While I would like to say I find that companies do a good job on that, uh, being an honest fellow, I'm going to say, no, I do not find that companies do a good job on that. Um, the, you know, it, it varies by firm and then by marketplace and things like that. But I would say day in and day out, most companies don't do the postmortem. And when they do do the postmortem, they only do them on things that don't go well. And I find that learning why you succeeded can often be as important as learning why you failed. Because typically when there's a failure, somebody who knows better just didn't do it as well as they could. And so you have a talk with that person. Hopefully they recognize, apologize. Hopefully you show real leadership and compassion. They don't feel bad that a mistake happened, but they understand that they can remedy it. But if you don't learn from your successes and you just assume you're that good, <laughs> then you can't really explain why it went well the first time. So I, I believe very strongly, and in my consulting practice we focus on this, at the conclusion of every project you go through and say, why did we succeed and why did we fail and what can be done about those so you want to make sure that you're consciously competent about what you're doing well, which is a, an extremely good point. And to your point, I, I know you've been an industry consultant for a number of years with clients literally all over, all over the world. So you have really experienced it at it, it all. Um, what are the three key things that you will tell us, uh, your client, which is typically a CEO, um, what are the three characteristics that you stress it in that they need to do better? So the first thing is be clear. I always talk about when you, you as the business leader are defining a direction or a change or a project, whatever it is, I want you to be able to explain it to my mom. And what I mean by that is if you as the leader cannot clearly communicate in average language to an average person on the street, which you're what you want to do, then there's no way your staff's going to understand. I'm not talking about the how, because you could be dealing with chemicals and space flight and all that kind of stuff. I don't expect you to be able to translate that to a guy on the elevator. But what you are doing, we're trying to get from this point to that point. We're trying to release products faster. We're trying to get into a market in Eastern Europe or whatever. The what needs to be crystal clear. It needs to be so clear in your mind you could describe it to anybody on the street. So that's number one, be clear. Number two, be consistent. And while everybody says, well, I know what you mean by consistency, what I mean in this context is your staff should know what your answer is going to be before they ask you the question. And that is because when they bring you things, you are consistent in your methodology, in your reasoning, and in your responses. And the third piece is follow through. Again, sounds easy, sounds regular. Most people really believe they're doing it every day, but they're not. And you can't just deputize somebody and send them out there to do it and not check in with them, not do their job for them, but just check in on a regular basis, make sure you are doing a good job as a leader by leaving them alone, but also providing them support where they need it. So those would be the three things. You know, my brother, Gaffney Gunter, he was on our, my program a couple of years ago. He owns a number of uh, McDonald's franchises in North Carolina. And one of the key things that I got from him that day was to inspect what you expect. So you inspect what you have asked someone to do in regards to your expectations. And then that sends a clear message to them, and everyone knows, oh, if... Uh, 
if Michael asks you to do this, then he's going to follow up with you. <laughs> so you got to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. And it raises the bar of, of performance. And, you know, I know you, you indicated that these three things, uh, to be clear, consistent, and follow through, are, are very fundamental things. But isn't the fundamentals that help us to make, it, make life consistent and be, be a consistent success? That's absolutely true. Uh, very rarely do you find someone who uh, isn't continuously successful. There are certain, certainly circumstances where somebody had one great success and then you didn't hear from, again, the one-hit wonder from the music world and things like that. But typically, successful people are successful for a reason. And I'm not a person who believes in luck. I believe in the old saw, which is luck is where opportunity and preparedness meet. And so if, if you are prepared and you take advantage of the opportunities that the universe supplies for you, then sure, people can say you're lucky if you want, but that's a lazy man's cop-out to say the other guy was lucky because what it meant was he was ready when the knocking came at the door. So uh, that's absolutely true. And, and, you know, winners win, basically. That's just the way it happens. <laughs> and successful people succeed. And, and I don't mean to sound redundant there, but I, I mean it that way on purpose. You, you look across, especially in the business world, you look across people and you see, okay, yeah, he founded that company and then he sold that one to ABC. And then he went and did this thing and, and uh, closed the deal over there with a French company or whatever it happens to be. And, that, and that's the way it works. And I tell you this, while hard work is very important, Hard work is where the work starts, not where it stops. Right, right, right. You know, Michael, believe it or not, we just have uh, like three minutes left. And oh there was a topic that um, you and I had talked about over the last couple of years about this publishing project that you had with, uh, I believe it was your nephew, uh, Mr. Soren Baker. And right. I'd like to, 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 for you to share with our audience a little bit about what he's up to and how you've been involved with him. Sure. So the first publishing project I did was was with my nephew, and uh, Sorn is a rap and hip hop journalist, and he's published works in all sorts of magazines and newspapers and on the web for 20 years or more. And, and we we've done a, a series of books together where uh, Sorn talks about his experiences. The series is called "I'm the White Guy" because in in that marketplace, it's very unusual to have someone who's that in tune and that well integrated and exposed to the marketplace who happens to be white. We don't play on that, but just that's the reality. It's also a catchy title, to be honest about it. Um, yes, it is. So we've done a, a series of those books um, where Soren's been the author, and then that led, as often things often do, to a series of the making of books. Uh, for instance, we did a book with the rap artist Game, uh, which was uh, Game wrote the book with Soren, and it with his Red Album. So the Red Album came out and Game wrote a book called The Making of Game's Red Album. So we have those two series, The Making of Series and the I'm the White Guy series. And that is Soren Baker. And, and they're also available digitally and you can get them from the iTunes store from, on Kindle or uh, paperback from Amazon. Okay. But also, I, I believe you had indicated that he's doing something with Snoop Dogg, who is now, as you have informed me, uh, he's now called Snoop Lion. Yeah, yeah. The, the last book we've done in the uh, I'm the White Guy series, which was uh, about a month or so ago, is I'm the White Guy Snoop Dogg edition. So, yeah, thanks for reminding me about that. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, they, they come up. Uh, Soren's very busy. He's writing uh, all over the place and very heavily involved. He lives in the L.A. area. He's heavily involved in the music industry. But uh, as he has time, we continue to build up both those series. 
Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Well, before we, we part, uh, what words of wisdom uh, would you like to share with our audience about leadership? I would say the, the key thing to consider is that one can be named a leader, but you can't be made a leader. You either are a leader or you are not. And it is in the, the forge, the furnace of life experiences, that, that makes people into leaders. And uh, leadership is also not just an anyday thing, but an everyday thing. You can lead in your family, you can lead in your community, in your church group, in your business, in your marketplace, in your country, whatever. Um, so those would be the two big things. You can name a leader, but you can't make one. And that uh, leadership's an everyday thing, not an anyday thing. Brother Johnson, that was well said. And I really want to thank you for making time out of your busy day to come on the program to share your thoughts about leadership. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for the opportunity. I enjoyed it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have here our in-studio guest, Mr. Michael Johnson, president and publisher of Odd Int Media. And you can find Odd Int Media at oddintmedia.com. And uh, please do take a look at their book, The Bee and the Bear, and the new title, it's all about leadership, and it's a team sport. This is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM on the beautiful campus of Seton Hall University in the scenic town of South Orange, New Jersey. And remember, you can find us on iTunes and iTunes U under Seton Hall University and look for the program Leadership. This is Leadership. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend. Thank you.